United States v. Bajikajian. In United States v. Bajikajian, 1998, the Supreme Court ruled that it was unconstitutional to confiscate $357,144 from host Bajikajian, who had failed to report possession of over $10,000 while leaving the United States. In what was the first case in which the Supreme Court ruled that a fine violated the excessive fines clause, the court held that it was grossly disproportional to take all the money Mr. Bajikajian had attempted to take out of the United States in violation of a federal law that required that he report an amount in excess of $10,000. In describing what constituted gross disproportionality, the court could not find any guidance from the history of the excessive fines clause, and so relied on cruel and unusual punishment clause case law. We must therefore rely on other considerations in deriving a constitutional excessiveness standard, and there are two that we find particularly relevant. The first, which we have emphasized in our cases interpreting the cruel and unusual punishments clause, is that judgments about the appropriate punishment for an offense belong in the first instance to the legislature. See, for example, Solemn v. Helm, 1983, reviewing courts, should grant substantial deference to the broad authority that legislatures necessarily possess in determining the types and limits of punishments for crimes. See also Gore v. United States, 1958, whatever views may be entertained regarding severity of punishment these are peculiarly questions of legislative policy. The second is that any judicial determination regarding the gravity of a particular criminal offense will be inherently imprecise. Both of these principles counsel against requiring strict proportionality between the amount of a punitive forfeiture and the gravity of a criminal offense, and we therefore adopt the standard of gross disproportionality articulated in our cruel and unusual punishments clause precedents. See, for example, Solemn v. Helm, Supra, at 288, Rummel v. Estelle, 1980. Thus the court declared that, within the context of judicial deference to the legislature's power to set punishments, a fine would not offend the Eighth Amendment unless it were grossly disproportional to the gravity of a defendant's offense. Timms v. Indiana. In Timms v. Indiana the Supreme Court ruled that the excessive fines clause applies to state and local governments under the Due Process Clause of the Fourteenth Amendment. The case involves the use of civil asset forfeiture to seize a $42,000 vehicle under state law in addition to the imposition of a $1,200 fine for drug trafficking charges, house arrest, and probation. Cruel and unusual punishments. General aspects. The Constitution was amended to prohibit cruel and unusual punishments as part of the United States Bill of Rights as a result of objections raised by people such as Abraham Holmes and Patrick Henry. While Holmes feared the establishment of the Inquisition in the United States, Henry was concerned with the application of torture as a way of extracting confessions. They also feared that the federal government would misuse its powers to create federal crimes as well as to punish those who committed them under the new constitution and thus use these powers as a way to oppress the people. Abraham Holmes, a member of the Massachusetts Ratifying Convention for the Federal Constitution, for example noted in a letter from January 30, 1788 that the new constitution would give the U.S. Congress the power to ascertain, point out, and determine, what kind of punishments shall be inflicted on persons convicted of crimes? He added with respect those who would belong to the new government under the new constitution, they are nowhere restrained from inventing the most cruel and unheard of punishments, and annexing them to crimes, and there is no constitutional check on them, but that racks and gibbets may be amongst the most mild instruments of their discipline. Relying on the history of the Eighth Amendment and its own case law the Supreme Court stated in Ingram v. Wright, 1977, that the cruel and unusual punishments clause was designed to protect those convicted of crimes. The Supreme Court consequently determined in Ingram that the cruel and unusual punishments clause limits the criminal process in three ways. First, it limits the kinds of punishment that can be imposed on those convicted of crimes, for example, Estelle v. Gamble, Supra, 
Tro v. Dulles, Supra, 2nd, it proscribes punishment grossly disproportionate to the severity of the crime, for example, Weems v. United States, Supra, and 3rd, it imposes substantive limits on what can be made criminal and punished as such, for example, Robinson v. California, Supra. In Louisiana X. Rel. Francis v. Resweber, 1947, the Supreme Court assumed arguendo that the cruel and unusual punishments clause applied to the states through the due process clause of the 14th Amendment. In Robinson v. California, 1962, the court ruled that it did apply to the states through the 14th Amendment. Robinson was the first case in which the Supreme Court applied the Eighth Amendment against the state governments through the 14th Amendment. Before Robinson, the Eighth Amendment had been applied previously only in cases against the federal government. Justice Potter Stewart's opinion for the Robinson Court held that infliction of cruel and unusual punishment is in violation of the Eighth and Fourteenth Amendments. The framers of the Fourteenth Amendment, such as John Bingham, had discussed this subject. Many instances of state injustice and oppression have already occurred in the state legislation of this union, of flagrant violations of the guaranteed privileges of citizens of the United States, for which the national government furnished and could furnish by law no remedy whatsoever. Contrary to the express letter of your Constitution, cruel and unusual punishments have been inflicted under state laws within this union upon citizens, not only for crimes committed, but for sacred duty done, for which and against which the government of the United States had provided no remedy and could provide none. In Furman v. Georgia, 1972, Justice Brennan wrote, There are, then, four principles by which we may determine whether a particular punishment is cruel and unusual. The essential predicate is that a punishment must not by its severity be degrading to human dignity, especially torture. A severe punishment that is obviously inflicted in wholly arbitrary fashion. A severe punishment that is clearly and totally rejected throughout society. A severe punishment that is patently unnecessary. Justice Brennan added, the function of these principles, after all, is simply to provide means by which a court can determine whether challenged punishment comports with human dignity. They are, therefore, interrelated, and, in most cases, it will be their convergence that will justify the conclusion that a punishment is cruel and unusual. The test, then, will ordinarily be a cumulative one, if a punishment is unusually severe, if there is a strong probability that it is inflicted arbitrarily, if it is substantially rejected by contemporary society and if there is no reason to believe that it serves any penal purpose more effectively than some less severe punishment, then the continued infliction of that punishment violates the command of the clause that the state may not inflict inhuman and uncivilized punishments upon those convicted of crimes. Justice Brennan also wrote that he expected no state would pass a law obviously violating any one of these principles, so court decisions regarding the Eighth Amendment would involve a cumulative analysis of the implication of each of the four principles. In this way, the United States Supreme Court set the standard that a punishment would be cruel and unusual if it was too severe for the crime, it was arbitrary if it offended society's sense of justice, or if it was not more effective than a less severe penalty. The plurality of the Supreme Court in Furman v. Georgia stated that the Eighth Amendment is not static, but that its meaning is interpreted in a flexible and dynamic manner to accord with, in the words of Tro v. Dulles, 1958, at page 101, the evolving standards of decency that mark the progress of a maturing society. Punishments including capital punishment must therefore not be excessive. The excessiveness of a punishment can be measured by two different aspects, which are independent of each other. The first aspect is whether the punishment involves the unnecessary and wanton infliction of pain. The second aspect is that the punishment must not be grossly out of proportion to the severity of the crime. In Miller v. Alabama, 2012, the court explained that the Eighth Amendment guarantees individuals the right not to be subjected to excessive sanctions, 
and that punishment for crime should be graduated in proportion to both the offender and the offense. The Supreme Court has also looked to the evolving standards of decency that mark the progress of a maturing society when addressing the prohibition on cruel and unusual punishments. The Supreme Court held in Bucklew v. Presythe, 2019, that the Due Process Clause expressly allows the death penalty in the United States because the Fifth Amendment, added to the Constitution at the same time as the Eighth, expressly contemplates that a defendant may be tried for a capital crime and deprived of life as a penalty, so long as proper procedures are followed. The court also explicitly said, the Constitution allows capital punishment. Nor did the later edition of the Eighth Amendment outlaw the practice. The same Constitution that permits states to authorize capital punishment also allows them to outlaw it. While the Eighth Amendment doesn't forbid capital punishment, it does speak to how states may carry out that punishment, prohibiting methods that are cruel and unusual. The court also explained in Bucklew that what unites the punishments the Eighth Amendment was understood to forbid, and distinguishes them from those it was understood to allow, is that the former were long disused, unusual, forms of punishment that intensified the sentence of death with a, cruel, superadditive terror, pain, or disgrace. The text of this podcast is sourced from the Wikipedia Foundation under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The written text has been altered for voice presentation. To view the modified and original text versions visit thelegalpages.com. The content of this podcast is presented for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be legal or professional advice. The Wikipedia Foundation is not affiliated with this podcast.